0: On today's show, we'll be covering a UFO, a haunted piano, encounters with strange lights, and much more. All coming up on this episode of Paranormal Mysteries. Thank you for joining me, and welcome to another week of Paranormal Mysteries. I'm your host, Nick Ryan. I hope all of you had a great weekend, and before we start today's episode, I'd like to thank Ria for their support and generosity. And if you enjoy the show, please consider following, sharing, and reviewing the podcast. This supports us by helping new listeners to discover the show. You can also support us at patreon.com slash paranormal mysteries, or at buymeacoffee.com paranormal. And if you'd like to share your paranormal encounter on the podcast, you can submit your story through email at paranormalmysteriespodcast at gmail or on our website at paranormalmysteriespodcast And of course, all these links can be found in the show notes. And with all of that in mind, our first listener story comes to us from Rhea, and Rhea's story is called, The Little Things. Rhea says, Hello Nick. I've been listening for a couple of weeks and have to start by saying thank you so much for creating a safe space to open discussion on the paranormal, as well as a catalog of sorts of personal experiences. I have a few weird phenomena I've witnessed or been somehow a part of, but this time I just want to tell you about what I think is the ghost of a little girl that I grew up with. The house my family bought right before I was born has three stories one of which is a huge creepy attic, and also an even creepier unfinished basement. It was built in 1942 in an old dusty farm town of eastern Washington, and I called it home for twenty years. Anyway, I was about three or four, fast asleep when something woke me. My room was a hall room that three rooms and a staircase connected to, and the staircase to the attic was in. By the bottom of the attic stairs under a thick pile of toys, a muffled electronic cry kept repeating. I had goosebumps and sat there listening, too scared to move. Finally, after what seemed like maybe two minutes, I decided I would be brave enough to see what it was, as it was still crying out. I carefully climbed out of bed and over an array of toys that littered my floor. The attic space was rarely ever entered, so I had piled my toys higher up, as you got closer to that corner wall. I started to dig, and after a minute I got to the lid of my toy box, which covered the lump which was now clearly more recognized as the cry of a stuffed toy elephant that had a noise box. I lifted the lid, and the elephant stopped crying, and it was just sitting there on its side. I felt strange, like I was being watched, and sick like I would vomit, and I was scared. I could clearly see this was no prank as all my siblings were gone for school, and it was just me upstairs. And this, now whatever it was, making the elephant cry. It's also important to note that when squeezed around the midsection, the elephant normally would cry out three calls in a row, and then stop. But I had heard it like it was on repeat. I then looked around my room, and all my siblings' rooms were dark and silent. That sick sensation got sicker, and my panic gripped me. I threw the lid back over the toy and ran down the staircase as fast as my little legs could go. As soon as I got to the bottom of the stairs, I began my first step away, and I heard a thump. I didn't look back, but I kept running, just around the corner where I froze, just out of sight. The thumping had continued while I was moving away, and then continued still after I froze. I then heard twelve thumps. I'm certain of it. It was what made me freeze, as I heard it thump onto every single step. I stood there for what I think was another two minutes, listening to the dead silence, before peeking around the corner. And there it was. The little stuffed elephant, this time sitting upright, staring right at me from the bottom of the stairs. I locked eyes on it, and it cried out its three rhythmic calls, and then stopped. The level of fear that went through my body is indescribable. I knew something was there I couldn't see, and it was making me sick with fear. I ran to my parents' bedroom crying, but they kicked me out, so I ran to get the elephant, and ran to the back door and pitched that thing as far away as I could from my house, and I ran back inside to fall asleep at my parents' foot of the bed. After that, not a lot happened, but small things would go missing or be moved into weird places, and typical bangs in the night would occur. Every night, I would hear footsteps in the attic above my room. They were such a regular occurrence, I paid them no thought until my friends told me that they refused to stay the night again, because of it. Then, when my cousin moved in for a short period, I saw something. Early in the morning, I awoke to a scratching sound coming from the foot of my bed, at the bottom of the attic stairs. I groggily opened my eyes to see a marker fall straight off the wall, from a writing motion. I felt a bit weird, like the vibe was off. I could hear my cousin softly snoring above me on the top bunk. I thought, well, I must have imagined it, or been dreaming. But that vibe was still lingering, and something pulled me to look to see if there was even a marker there. There was the marker with the lid on the ground as well. But what was spine-chilling was the drawing it had made. It was the shape of a person with wings, but like how a child might draw it. I woke my cousin up freaking out. She believed me as she too had heard noises, and knew that my house was certainly haunted. Another time, I was sitting on the couch in the evening with my sister, and my dad came down, looking a bit worried, and he asked, "'Where's your cousin?' I said, "'She's right there in the kitchen. Why?' He then went white, sickly white. "'Oh, it's nothing,' he said, and he stammered off. I wasn't going to let him sneak off so easily, and I pursued after him. I asked, "'Why, Dad? What's up? What's going on?' He then muttered kind of half to me and half to himself, I thought, I mean I was pretty sure, that I had heard one of you girls singing in the fort. We had literally just that day moved the bunk bed to beside the attic staircase and put blankets up obscuring the entire area. My dad then walked off, puzzled. I then told my cousin, and in about ten minutes my dad came back with a demeanor that had changed to angry. He said, You better go take that fort down and move the bed back right now. And we did it without any disagreement. I never did find any clues as to who she might be, though me and my sister tried to do research. The drawing is still on the wall of that house that my dad and my brother still live in, and if I ever get a chance, I'll get a picture of it, though I highly doubt that it'll be any time soon. I have not set foot in that room since I moved out ten years ago, and I have no plans to, as the house also seems to have a horrible dark presence that I am scared to death of. Well, thanks so much for reading. I can't wait to hear more stories from you and others in your podcast. Ria Our next two stories of the night come to us from Lori, and Lori's first story is called Reunited. Lori says, Hello there. I have really enjoyed listening to your podcast and would like to contribute. I have had many unexplainable events, but this is one that is actually explainable and one of my favorites. I live in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, an area with many old homes and a rich history. I run a small cleaning company with an Amish crew, so we visit many of these old homes. Several years ago, I decided I would like a piano for my two boys to learn to play, but I wasn't willing to spend a lot of money, or any at all, if possible. One day, one of my customers, Vicky, told me she was trying to sell her antique baby grand piano. I asked her how much, and she said five hundred. And I said no thanks at the time. A few months later, Vicky told me that if I wanted the piano, it was mine. Apparently, she had had three separate buyers. The first one never showed up for it. The second one took a look and decided against it. And the third one actually had a piano moving company disassemble it and move it. But then they returned it saying that it didn't fit. So she was stuck with the disassembled piano and just wanted rid of it already. I was delighted, but I asked her to send me a few pictures from the post so I could remember what it looked like. It looked fine to me, and I arranged a piano mover to bring it to my house. Probably about a year after having a piano, something suddenly occurred. I had come home from work one day, and I noticed a unique banging sound. I am well accustomed to all the noises my house makes. The furnace making its mechanical sound, the windows creaking, the floors making noises in certain areas. But this was different. This was two consecutive bangs at a time. No matter where I was in the house, I heard it. I went to bed that night and was woken up by it several times. The next morning, I got up for work and didn't hear anything. And when I came home, I decided to investigate further. I walked all throughout the house trying to recreate this sound. And finally, when I took a step into my bedroom, I heard it. When my foot went down on the ground, I heard the first bang. And when I picked my foot up, I heard the second bang. It was the ductwork underneath the subfloor. Apparently, putting pressure on it made it pop down and back up. A feeling of relief came over me that I had found it, but it was immediately followed by my stomach sinking, because who or what was doing it? I proceeded to make dinner for my husband and kids. I tucked the kids into bed that night and sat down in the family room to watch TV with my husband. The banging started to occur again. I said to him in almost a desperate voice, "'Don't you hear that banging?' And he brushed me off and said, ''It's probably the cat.'' Well, that would be impossible because it occurred too often, and besides, the cat was outside at the moment. Additionally, we locked the cat up at night, so he would not have had access to that part of the floor, and he was also too light to push the subfloor down that far. I decided I would go into the living room to do some work at the desk. The living room was located in the front of the house, with no TV or radio, just a quiet room with a piano and a comfy couch. To get to the living room from the family room, you would have to walk through the kitchen, down a long hallway, and then around the corner to the living room, so the two of them were set quite a bit apart. As I am sitting at the desk with the piano behind me, I heard a very low tone of voice, but somewhat loud, say, Mom. And it wasn't a quick mom, it was more like, Mom. Drawn out, if you will. I froze and the hair on the back of my neck stood straight up, and the possibilities ran through my head. Could it be my ten-year-old? That wasn't his voice, so the answer was no. Maybe it was my six-year-old. Definitely neither kid because the voice was way too low. I slowly turned my head to the right to see what was behind me. When I looked, there was nothing there except the piano and comfy couch, so I decided to check on my kids. They were both sleeping soundly. I proceeded back to the family room where Tim was still watching TV. I asked him, Did you hear someone say mom? Of course, he brushed me off and said it was probably the TV. That was not the case, though, because I only heard the word mom, and nothing more. From there, I decided to look at those pictures that Vicky sent me way back, to see if there were any orbs or anything. The picture she sent me had the piano in her living room next to a couch and mirror. To my surprise, in the mirror, there was a little boy with Victorian dress attire, looking at the piano. He had chubby cheeks and a dress shirt buttoned all the way up, with a vest over top. Vicky did not have a small boy, and those pictures were taken by a realtor, with nobody in the room except for herself. Then it started to make sense. Obviously this boy is looking for his mother. A week later I was at Vicky's house for a cleaning session. She was usually at work, but happened to be home this time. I decided to share the story with her and the picture of the boy that she obviously didn't notice when she sent it to me. Her jaw nearly hit the floor. I didn't know the history of this piano, but apparently her mother bought that piano from a friend when Vicky was a little girl, which was probably 40 years prior. Her and her siblings grew up with that piano, and eventually it became hers. When they were growing up, her mother used to come into the room asking who was calling her name. It became a running joke in the household that her mother always thought someone was saying mom to her. That poor boy had been looking for his mother back then as well. I felt so bad for him I thought I would try to tell him what to do, so one night I went to the living room and tried to mentally tell him that his mother was in the light, and if he walked to the light, he would find her. Maybe he listened, because after that, there were no more banging or other disruptions whatsoever. Rehashing the story actually brings to mind two instances I had forgotten about that occurred before he said my name. On two separate occasions, when I was home alone, a single note on the piano played. It was the same note both times. At the time, I thought it was maybe the cat, although coincidental that it would have to have been the same note played. Now I just wonder if that was him as well. Thank you for listening and allowing people to share their unique stories. Sometime in the future, I will share some more of the unexplained stories, because they still nag me to this day. I'm hoping I find others with similar experiences, but I haven't yet. Lori Lori included the picture of the boy in the mirror, and I have added it to our forum for everyone to see. As I said, our next story of the night also comes from Lori, and this story is called Lights in the Woods. Lori says, Hi Nick, I really enjoy your podcast, and I'm hoping one of your listeners has some information regarding an experience I had many years ago. If so, please put them in contact with me. It was a clear summer evening when my husband and I drove to his parents' house to check on it since they were out of town. The house is located on a semi-country road in Russell Township, Ohio. The street is lined with trees that canopy over the road. It is very hilly and heavily wooded, and the east side of the street is owned by a private park, which is relevant later in the story. We checked on the house and everything seemed to be fine, and we proceeded to drive down the street towards our home. As we came to the top of a steep hill, a bright white ball of light about the size of a basketball was headed straight for our car. Before I could even think, the light hit our car, and everything flashed white for what seemed like an eternity. It was the strangest feeling. Everything was blindingly white. I couldn't see anything at all, and there was a deafening silence. Then suddenly we were back at the top of the hill, but everything went back to normal. The first thought I had was that we had lost time, I looked at the clock, and it seemed to show the right time. I asked my husband if he was okay, and he said yes. We were dumbfounded by this. I also wondered how our eyes weren't affected. Usually after seeing such a bright light, your eyes would see spots or at least take a second to adjust. But this did not happen. We were back, and our eyes didn't seem to be affected. I fully expected to arrive home and find a burn mark or something on the car, thinking it was some sort of lightning, although there were no storms or clouds in the sky. Maybe it was heat lightning, but it was clearly a very defined ball of light, not just a flash. To my surprise, the car didn't show any signs of damage at all. I don't have an explanation of what happened that night, and my only logical conclusion was that it was ball lightning. However, there are a few other events involving white lights in that area that would refute the ball lightning theory. First, my sister-in-law Judy lived in a rental property within the privately owned park to the east of my mother-in-law's street. We were driving past the park when the ball of light hit our car. She lived there with her husband, deep in the wooded area. The house was so deep in the woods that they had to park their car and walk along a wooded trail and over a stream to access the house. One morning, Judy mentioned to her husband that she had had the strangest dream. She dreamt that she woke up, and every single window in the house had the brightest white light shining into it. It was a blinding light. Her husband's face turned pale, and he said to her, in utter shock, that he had the same exact dream. Ever since then, they are convinced that it was extraterrestrial activity. In addition to that event, it has been brought to my attention that the owners of the park have also noticed activity in the woods. There have been bright white balls of light moving around in the woods on several occasions, and they don't have an explanation. Lastly, I run a cleaning company and recently acquired a customer who lives in close vicinity to the park. I explained some of the events and asked her if she's ever seen anything. Her house sits high on top of a hill with woods surrounding it. Although she has never seen the things I mentioned to her, she did comment that an unusual thing did happen at one point, and it has stuck with her ever since. One night as she was laying in bed, a very bright light flashed in front of her eyes. It was so bright she could see it even with her eyes closed. She always wondered about it because the house is on the second floor and the house is so high over the road that car lights couldn't shine in. So I just wonder, what was the ball of light that hit my car? Since the event, my youngest son has seen a blue baseball-sized orb hovering over his bed on three occasions, and my husband has seen the blue orb, although bigger in size, hovering over our bed one time. I wonder if this is related. On one occasion, my older son has seen three flashing bright lights during the daytime, right in front of him, and the third light went through him, and he said he could feel it go through him. I witnessed it happen to him, as he was sitting right in front of me. I wonder what the ball of light was, and also if it's related to the orb experience in my house. If anyone has information, please direct them my way. I appreciate that I can put my story out there, and thank you for your wonderful podcast. Lori Our next story of the night comes to us from Gabe, and Gabe's story is called One of Many Encounters. Gabe says, Hello, and I hope you are doing well. My daughter and I found your podcast just a week ago and have been listening to it every day on our way to school and when we are coming home, and I am a teacher where she attends middle school. It allows us to share some quality time and discuss the other side of things, if you catch my meaning. Anyway, she encouraged me to share at least one of the plethora of paranormal experiences that I've had over the years. I'm almost 42 now, and I hope you and your listeners enjoy it. And please understand that this is 100% real. Firstly, I lived in and came back to the San Luis Valley, located in southern Colorado. Anyone who has studied the paranormal should be versed in this place as it is considered to be one of the most paranormally active places in the world and is considered a holy place by local Native American tribes. Secondly, to put things into perspective, they consider this to be the place their ancestors came from, coming out of a place in the mountains. Moreover, the valley, as we call it here, is the location for the first cattle mutilation and is home to a so-called UFO watchtower. So, to say that the valley is full of paranormal events is an understatement. The experience I'm sharing happened when I was a junior in high school. At the time, I attended an extracurricular class in a town far from where I lived, and would drive there every Monday and Wednesday after school. In the fall and winter, it would be dark as I drove to class. And additionally, there are two airports here. Anyway, as I was traveling to class one Wednesday, I noticed a bright light over the city, and thought it was just another airplane getting ready to land, as such aircrafts have very bright landing lights. I thought nothing more of it, and looked down to the road again for only a moment. Suddenly, I looked up toward where I saw what I thought was that aircraft, and it was now a very large white light hovering over the road right above me. This means that this object had to travel about ten miles in the blink of an eye to get from where it was to above the road. I was in shock and slowed down my car as I was looking up at the object. It was just twilight, so I could still see the outline of the craft. It was a giant black triangle with lights at each corner, and a red light in the middle. It was moving slowly but deliberately across the sky, and only about thirty to forty feet above the road. It was traveling west, and then turned north instantly, without any kind of curving motion. It simply just started going in another direction. I watched as it slowly moved across a field. It made no noise, and there was no other effects to my car or to me. I have no idea what it was, but I know it was real. As a side note, it became a habit that every Wednesday when I got home from class, I would get out of my car and immediately look north towards the sky in that direction. You see, for some reason every Wednesday you would be able to watch the lights dogfight each other over in that direction. This went on for months, but has stopped since I moved back to the valley. I have many other paranormal experiences I would be happy to share with you and your listeners if you would like. Thank you for your time, and for listening to my story. Gabe As we bring tonight's episode to an end, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. And a special thank you goes out to Rhea, Lori, and Gabe for sharing their experiences. And if you've witnessed something paranormal, I'd like to hear your story. You can share your experience with me through email, voice message, or on our website. And all of these links can be found in the show notes. Until next time, I hope you all have a great beginning to your week, as we continue our journey into the unexplained, right here on Paranormal Mysteries.